morning. Welcome in. It's Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ, the final edition of Brewers Weekly before the regular season is underway. It's like a celebration. We're just we're just days away from opening day today. Uh, they had a workout at Miller Park. They're going to have exhibition games against the White Sox tomorrow night, and then on Saturday, and then on Monday, boom, it's right there, opening day, as they welcome in the Colorado Rockies. We'll welcome your phone calls today if you'd like to uh, talk anything related to the Brewers. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. In addition to calls, as you would expect, because it's called the Talk and Text Line, you can also text us. And we uh, welcome the text messages about anything uh, Brewers-related. On the program today, we're going to be joined by former Brewers pitcher Mark Knutson. In his uh, role now, he uh, covers the Colorado Rockies with the Rockies coming in for Brewers opening day. We'll talk to him about that club and what to expect, and maybe we'll talk about his Brewers past a little bit. And even though the Brewers are here, the... The microbrewers, as you would say, the the minor league guys, they're still in Maryvale as minor league camp is continuing on. So we will continue uh, with reports from Maryvale. We'll go down there and talk with the uh, longtime voice of the Colorado Springs, Sky Sox, Dan Karcher. He's going to join us here in about a half hour or so. The big news of the day was Matt Garza going on the disabled list. And he evidently was on track to be part of the starting rotation which you can argue whether or not he was deserving of that. But he was reportedly on track to be part of the starting rotation. Now, when I first heard that Matt Garz is on the disabled list, I'll be honest, my first thought was made-up injury. They're, they're putting him on the disabled list just to buy time. They're, they found something. You can always find something wrong with a guy. They found something wrong with him. They're going to milk this into a minor league rehab. It's a way to send a guy to the minor leagues without actually sending him to the minor leagues so they're able to push back the decision. So instead of releasing him now before the season got started, you, you buy some time with this. That was my first thought. Maybe, I'm, maybe I just go to a negative place sometimes when I'm thinking things. But that thought kind of went out of my mind when I heard Matt Garza talking about the injury today i just put it i just keep thinking like a rocky movie you know i could either be the middle fight or i could be the last fight you know so i want to be the last fight and walk out and fight those championship rounds so uh it sucks right now but uh let's keep fighting you know You heard the media session being finished right there by by Brewers public relations staff, specifically uh, Mike Vassallo. Uh, he was emotional. There were tears. And I don't think that's fake. So I, I started this conversation by almost being saying, thinking, well, maybe there's a fake injury to be able to extend his time. I hear that, and I start to back off that. It makes me feel like there's more of a chance that this is a legit injury. So we'll see what happens. Look, honestly, this is, to me, this is a, a weird kind of blessing. Because there was nothing that he did in spring training that would have indicated that he was going to be able to have success this season. The Brewers are kind of trying to change him a bit, letting him focus more on 
uh, throwing breaking stuff instead of fastballs, and it's not taking yet. What this does is once he's able to pitch again at, at some point, maybe at the end of April, it gives you 30 days to send him down to the minor leagues, whether it's Biloxi or Colorado Springs, for him to go continue to do that. It basically extends out his spring training. And that's that's if he is going to contribute at all to the Brewers this season, that's going to turn into a blessing. So I get that he's bummed out. I actually really appreciate the emotional aspect of it. Like That's not really the Matt Garza we know who is sitting there unable to completely control his emotions because he's not going to be able to start the season. And I know a lot of people are kind of jaded about Garza because he makes so much money and his results have not been equal to the money that he's getting paid. I think it's okay in this situation to say, okay, here's a guy that, you know, forget about that $13 million salary for a moment. This is a guy who cares. And this is a guy who wants to be out there. And this is a guy who worked his tail off to try to put himself in position to be ready. And, yeah, sure, maybe maybe he didn't have the results. And maybe he hasn't had the results in a while. Greg Matzik referred to it as a failed signing. And, and Greg is 100% correct when he says that. But I, I am more willing to give Garza a bit more time now than I was before this, this injury and his response to the injury. So we'll see what happens. Uh, he's not going to be around for a month or so. There's been some some rumors and rumblings about other teams being interested in some of the Brewers' starting pitchers, including Willie Peralta. And, uh, you know, if Willie Peralta all of a sudden goes away, you might need Matt Garza at some point. So that's something to keep an eye on as we continue on. Up next, we'll be joined by Mark Knutson. We'll talk uh, all things opening day with him, and uh, we'll do that next. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continuing here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. If you want to get involved with the program, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line available at 414-799-1620. I uh, like bringing this guy onto the program as often as possible, and if the Brewers are going to be playing the Rockies, you can absolutely guarantee that uh, he's going to be on at some point. It is a uh, former Brewers pitcher, uh, Mark Knutson, who now uh, covers the Rockies and does all kinds of stuff in Colorado. Mark, good to talk to you. How are you doing today? Matt, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, opening day coming up on Monday. You spent a, a number of years with the Brewers. Do you have any uh, memories of opening day in Milwaukee? Oh, lots of them. Um, obviously, for me, getting a chance to start opening day in 1991 against Nolan Ryan um, will obviously be a highlight of my career. I didn't have a particularly great outing, but thankfully Robin and Paul and and uh, Dave Parker did some damage, and we ended up winning the game. So uh, it's always going to be a highlight for me. Um, other than that, I mean, so the whole aura of opening day. I mean, I didn't I didn't participate in opening day with anybody else. So all my opening day memories are with. With my days at the Brewers, and uh, you know Don August pitching and Greg Swindell one opening day in Cleveland with eighty thousand people there, you just don't forget days like that. I mean, for whatever reason that that day is I mean, the next day is another game counts the same in the standings, but it's just super special to, to be a part of opening day. 
And I don't know about you, and I'm glad I'm going to ask you this because you're in Colorado right now. I think in the Midwest, opening day for baseball feels different. I grew up in St. Louis. It was a big deal there. It's a big deal here. What is it about baseball opening day in the Midwest that maybe as you stretch out to each side of the country, uh, you start to lose a little? Well, I, believe it or not, here, and you've been to opening days at Coors Field, you understand, um, you know, opening day for the Rockies is a big deal as well. It, it's a little bit more like the Midwest as opposed to the, the coast. Um, but opening day in the, in the Midwest, Western cities, at Cle- you know, anyone in Cleveland and Milwaukee, it's, um, it is something special. I think it's the end of the end of winter for most people. Uh, most people don't get a chance to go down to spring training, so when the team returns from spring training and you and you get to go to a ball game. It might be cold out, but it's still like, okay, spring is here, baseball's here, the summer's coming. Um, so I just, it, I think it's for everybody else, it's kind of like the sun's come out. Spring training was longer this year because of the World Baseball Classic. It seems like we've been talking about spring training for two years now. Are you? Do you like the World Baseball Classic? I love the World Baseball Classic. In fact, I, I wrote about it several times. I, for, for guys like Bryce Harper and Mike Trout and, and Clayton Kershaw and Chris Bryant to skip it, for, I mean, Kershaw may have had a little bit of a reason. He, he could have participated if he wanted to, but he was erring on the side of caution. He was injuries. I get that. Those three had no no reason not to participate. And I, I talked to Don August <clears throat> about this. If Augie's listening, he'll, he'll know what I was talking about. He was a, he had an opportunity to play on the 1984 United States Olympic team. And he told me it was one of the highlights of his, the highlight of his baseball career. He started opening day. He pitched in pennant races. He said being on the Olympic team where USA across your chest was one of the highlights of his career, the highlight of his career. And I can certainly, I mean, I, I told people I'd sacrifice a non-essential body part for that opportunity. I know a lot of guys feel that way. Roger Clemens said that numerous times. Um, I don't understand the thought process behind not playing. It's, you're in spring training, you're going through the same routine, your chances of getting injured aren't any different on which field you're playing on. Um, it's just a chance to play in games that actually matter. Uh, it, to, to a lot of people, and you can represent your country. I can't understand why anybody would ever turn it down. I really don't. I, and, and I'm kudos to the guys who played and the guys who won it this year. It was, it was really fun to watch. It really does break up spring training. I know, we, like you said, we've been talking about it. It seems like they've been down there for a year, but nonetheless, that did break it up, and that did that was very exciting. And, and I mean, I was I was glued to it. I, I can't get enough of it. One of the indicators of something is a big deal is if a grizzled old guy is brought to tears, and that happened with with Jim Leland. How fun was it to just see the way he reacted to that championship? Well, I think they, once you, I, I don't know, I can't speak of experience, but it, it just seems to me that you wear, you put that uniform on and wear USA across your chest. It's got to change you. It has to. It has to change your your, your perspective on what's important in terms of of winning and losing. Guys who are rivals during the year are suddenly teammates and suddenly pulling for their country. And, and yeah, uh, Leland was, it was, you know, saluting the troops in his post game was very appropriate. Um, I, I thought the whole thing was, couldn't have been handled any better. And I'm, I'm just, I mean, I thought about, I'm going, you know, I get around my hat, my Team USA hat. I, I, I think the whole, whole thing was riveting. I, I wish they'd do it more often. We are uh, continuing to talk with uh, Mark Knutson. You can follow him on Twitter at MarkKnutson41. Sports columnist, broadcaster, works uh, for the Fort Collins, Colorado, and also can read him at, uh, at WoodyPage.com. Uh, Brewers are going to welcome in the Rockies for this uh, this opening week series. Uh, are the Rockies an improved team this year? Well, think back two years ago, and I know you were out here with us then, Matt, but 
two years ago, the Rockies rolled out Kyle Kendrick on opening day. And yeah. it was his best outing as a Rocky, if you remember. I think he, I think his final score was 10 to nothing. It was his, it was his best outing in his entire year with the Rockies. Um, the Rockies are markedly better than they were. John Gray is the first guy that the Rockies, that opponents will tell you, and I heard Ted Leitner say this, the Padres broadcaster, he's the first legitimate ace this team's ever had. And, and you know, you, you followed the Rockies for a long time, Matt, you know what I'm talking about. Um, they've had guys like Jorge De La Rosa who are good pitchers, but let's be honest, Jorge would have been a number three on, on most good teams. Um, and he was forced into a number one role with the Rockies for a number of years. This guy has the goods. He has the stuff. Um, he has the attitude. He can be a really top flight pitcher for this organization. Um, they took a, they took a hit when Chad Dennis, you know, had is down with cancer treatment. Obviously, Chad has a, a much bigger fight on his hands than knowing about baseball. But nonetheless, that does hurt the, hurt the baseball team too. Um, they're going to count on Tyler Chatwood and Tyler Anderson in, in the two and three spots in the rotation. Tyler Chatwood was extremely good on the road last year, one of the best ERAs in baseball on the road, but really struggled at Coors Field. He'll pitch, I don't know if he's pitching second day or third day. Uh, Tyler Anderson had the best ERA of any Rocky starter last year, left-hander. So they're, they're really excited about him. And they're excited about a couple of the young kids they have. Kyle Freeland, who will be making his major league debut, is a kid from Denver. Uh, so they, they don't anticipate it's going to have a problem with the climate, the altitude and all that. And then they got Herman Mar- Marquez is probably going to be your fifth guy. Um, he was very impressive during his stint here last year. Uh, they are, they have a point, Jeff, or, I mean, Matt, you remember this. Sky Sox, there was a, there was a, a shuttle between the Rockies and the Sky Sox a couple of years back. Um, anybody who, who could breathe was getting a chance to get up and pitch for the Rockies. They've gotten past that now where they, they can now take a guy like Jeff Hoffman, who's one of their prized prospect, prospects, who didn't have a particularly good stint last year when he was up here and didn't pitch vertically well in spring training. They're sending him back to AAA for more work. And they couldn't have done that a couple of years ago. So I think they have made significant strides. They've had some injury issues. Ian Desmond's out with a broken hand. He'll, he'll probably be out till the end of April. Uh, Tom Murphy broke a, broke a bone in his arm. He'll be out at least till the end of April. Um, David Dahl has a bad back. He's going to miss the first week or two weeks. But good teams overcome those situations. Good teams have depth. You know, what the Dodgers did last year was Kershaw missing most of the season, still winning the division, is a blueprint for how teams have to win championships and make the playoffs. You have to overcome injuries. You have to use your entire 40-man roster to win a pennant, not, not your 25 guys you break camp with. Um, and in that regard, the Rockies are in a much better position to be able to make a playoff run this year than they have been in past years. Something the Brewers have turned into under Craig Council is just a, a team that competes their butt off, and they're not an easy team to beat. They may not win a ton of games. Last year they win 73, but for the most part they were going uh, to compete on a night-in, night-out basis. Yep. Will Bud Black bring that to the Rockies? Well, I think Bud Black certainly brings much more veteran. I mean, I'm a Walt Weiss guy. I've known Walt for a long time, and, and I was disappointed in, in not coming back. But if you're going to replace him, it's, really, it's not not a step backwards. It's a step forward to take Bud Black uh, out of uh, the front office. I think it was at the Angels, and get back on the field. He's a great manager. He's done great things. with. He's done a lot with, a li- with limited resources in San Diego, and the Rockies are certainly in that same situation. So, yeah, I think he's going to be the kind of guy that, um, there are expectations on this team now. The players are going to feel that, and he's going to be the kind of guy that can can temper that and keep one of the calm ship. But he's a very calm guy. Um, doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. I think he'll be the kind of guy that, that this or this team needs. And, and to, to what you're saying about Craig, I, I had a chance to catch up with him. You know, every time I see him here, I tease him. I used to play catch with him when he was a little kid. 
when you come out of the field out of Cook County Stadium, um, I think Craig's doing a great job. I mean, David Stern has obviously got a blueprint on to build the Brewers and the same way they built the Houston Astros into a contender. Uh, I was very impressed with the team that finished the season here at Coors Field last year. Uh, obviously, Chris Carter is not part of that anymore, but um, the young guys, they had a lot of young talent. They scrapped, as you said. They battled. Uh, I think they took three or four from the Rockies the last series. And uh, I think the future is very bright for this organization. And Craig, I'm glad Craig's getting a chance to grow with the, with the team. Um, and, I, you know, obviously growing up in Milwaukee, he's got a passion for that, that baseball team. He's going to do whatever it takes to, to make them a winner. Last thing uh, for Mark Knutson, Miller Park is coming up on 20 or so years being built. The Braves get a new ballpark when they're at uh, about the 20-year mark, but the Brewers are doing a fantastic job of reinvesting the ballpark. It doesn't feel old. The Rockies kind of do the same thing. They just signed a new deal that's going to take Coors Field to 50-plus years of age. Is that ballpark going to be able to last uh, 50 total years? Yeah, I think it will. I think it was built to, to last. It's, um, you know, you've spent lots of time there as well. You know that um, it, it's the kind of place that you love to take your family. You love to go see a game. There's not a bad seat in the house. With what they've done with the um, the upper deck and right field, making into a, you know, for lack of a better term, a party deck now with some uh, concessions and stuff up, up on top. It's a fantastic place to just spend some time if you if you want to meet friends and, and aren't really concerned about. Your view of the game, you still have a good view of the game. It's just a different kind of view. Yeah, I think Coors Field's going to make it quite a while. And you know, when you say Miller Park, twenty years, it's, it's staggering to me. I, <laughs> I think there's like three parts. Coors Field's the third oldest part of the National League now. Man. Yeah, third oldest part of the National League, and it's just mind blowing. To you know, I was there for the groundbreaking at Coors Field, and, and when they put the first shovel in the, in the ground, and um, <clears throat> to think that mo- almost all the ballparks I played, I think there's probably six or seven total. Less than baseball, I still I played in, and that's you know the Wrigley Fields and the Fenway Parks and the Dodger Stadiums. The rest of them have all been replaced, and, and you hope that something when you put that much time and effort into it can last more than twenty years. But you, oh, I'll never forget I'll, I'll never forget a flight back from Toronto after we played. We opened the, the Sky Dome. We were the first team to play in the Sky Dome. Don August beat Jimmy Key in the first game there, and uh, flying back, yeah. we heard um, we heard Bud Selig. Uh, in the front of the plane saying he was interested in building a retractable dome stadium in Milwaukee. And we laughed. That would never happen in Milwaukee. Are you kidding? The town of Laverne and Shirley is never going to have a, a retractable dome stadium. And lo and behold, Bud made it happen. And, um, you know, obviously hats off to him for that. And my only trip in to see it, it, it looks like somebody dropped a spaceship in the middle of, the middle of Milwaukee. It's, it's staggering. And it's going to be here for a long time. I think Miller Park has a, has a long future. Mark, always appreciate the time. We'll, we'll get you on uh, a few times, even even if the Brewers aren't playing the Rockies. We always love having uh, having you on the program. So thanks for your time. Anytime, Matt. You know it. All right, Take very care. good. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. That is uh, Mark Knutson, the former Brewers pitcher, joining us here on Brewers Weekly. Again, uh, follow him on Twitter at MarkKnutson41. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Weekly continues here on WTMJ. The books, the Bucks, look to stay hot and continue their drive for the playoffs tomorrow when they welcome in the Detroit Pistons. Ted Davis and Dennis Krause will begin our coverage with Buck shots at 6:40 tomorrow night here on WTMJ. Craig Council earlier today saying there are currently three pitchers contending for the final two spots in the bullpen. Did not say who those three pitchers were. I would guess based off spring training numbers. 
Tyler Cravey, Taylor Youngman, Rob Scahill. With all due respect to Jacob Barnes, he's got a 14.63 ERA in spring. I think he's probably earmarked back to AAA. But looking at those three guys, Cravey, a 2.19 ERA. You've got Scahill, who's not on the 40-man roster, but they have an open spot available. He pitched to a .79 ERA in 11 appearances in spring. And Taylor Youngman, 1.26 ERA. Those guys are going to pitch over the next couple days in those games against the White Sox at Miller Park. And it's going to be very interesting to see uh, which of those two guys come out of it. Again, it could be Jacob Barnes in the mix. He pitched real well with the team at the end of next, the last season. But just based off numbers in spring, i got to think Cravey, Youngman, Scahill are competing for those final two spots. And if it is Scahill, who's got the best numbers so far, if it is Scahill, he'll have to be re-added to the 40-man roster because he was taken off of it during the course of the offseason. Just because the Brewers have come to Milwaukee doesn't mean all the minor league players have uh, gone to their respective sites. Minor league camp continues on down in Maryvale, and we'll uh, check in with, uh, with minor league camp in just a moment. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. Why do we love Mr. Baseball Bob Uecker? Let us count the ways our WTMJ team shares what makes the Hall of Fame voice of the Brewers so very unique in the latest series of videos up now at WTMJ.com. If you want to join the program, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line available to you at 414-799-1620. The Brewers are back in Milwaukee. They held a workout tonight at Miller Park. They've got a couple exhibition games over the next two days against the White Sox. But Brewers minor leaguers are continuing on with camp in Maryvale. And uh, very happy to uh, welcome on to the program a guy that I got to sit next to for uh, six years and uh, he's one of my favorite people in the world. He is the longtime voice of the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. He is Dan Karcher. Dan, great to have you on the program. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. And I'm glad you said you uh, you got to sit next to me instead of saying you had to sit next to me <laughs> for six years. I, I do appreciate that. Well, the booth was so small, there wasn't much of an option. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's not the largest of booths, but we made it work. So you're down at uh, Maryville. What's the what's the feeling there like once the big league camp comes to an end and the minor leaguers are still continuing to uh, play games? Well, I think these guys are just like the the, the big league guys that they're ready for this uh, to be over and and to get the uh, season underway. Uh, we had a nine nine tie today in Mesa uh, between the Sky Sox and the I Cubs. So um, that kind of tells you what kind of game we have today. But, um, you know, I think there's a lot of excitement, Matt. There always is this time of year for any team. But uh, I think because of the uh, enormous amount of work the, uh, the Brewers have done over the last couple of years rebuilding their organization with all these uh, tremendous-looking prospects, I don't think there's uh, any way you, you could be anything but excited uh, looking forward to what's to come here in 2017 and beyond. It's amazing that the outfield is going to be so stacked with Brinson, Cordell, Phillips, even Kyle Wren, who's been put up good numbers, that, that Michael Reed had to be sent down to double A, a guy who's been a September call-up each of the last two years. How excited are you about uh, what this outfield is going to look like this year at AAA? Uh, it's it's uh, it's really going to be fun to watch these kids. And, and today, uh, Lewis Brinson and uh, Brett Phillips both went deep, as did Ryan Cordell. So all three outfielders 
expected home runs today for the Sky Sox. Um, and, you know, uh, somebody asked me a question if I've ever seen um, uh, a duo like uh, Brinson and Phillips coming up uh, from from AA. Uh, and, and, of course, Brinson was up with the Sky Sox last year. But uh, they asked me if I've ever seen anything quite like it with the Sky Sox. And, and really, it's hard to put any kind of uh, stamp on that because, uh, first off, my memory isn't what it used to be. But I got to thinking about it, and the one duo that came to mind was uh, uh, Derek Gibson and Edgar Clemente, the uh, nephew of uh, the great Roberto Clemente, uh, when they came up in the uh, the late 90s with the Sky Sox, was, was kind of the same sort of buzz you're getting with a, a Lewis Brinson and a, a Brett Phillips. So, no, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a real exciting uh, vibe right now for, for everybody in, in the springs getting ready for the baseball season, 30th anniversary. Uh, for the Sky Sox coming up, and it looks like, uh, at least to begin with, uh, they'll have a team that uh, uh, should be uh, pretty uh, pretty formidable. I'll ask you to kind of put your Karnak hat on for a second. Is Brett Phillips going to take a step back forward after he maybe take a, took a step back last year? You know, I'm going to be Mr. Optimism here and say that uh, because the Pacific Coast League has been and always will be a hitter's league, obviously Security Service Field is known for for uh, for producing high scoring games and that that sort of thing, I'm going to say that he's going to take a step forward uh, this year. I think uh, I remember, and here's an, an example, but and maybe it's unfair to draw this this comparison, but a few years ago, I remember a kid by the name of Nolan Arenado, Matt, as you and I both knew, that's that was how you pronounce his name from the get go, um, but he was struggling at Double A. Uh, and, and the Rockies made a surprise move when he thought he was going to start the next season at AAA. They sent him back to AA. It was a wake-up call for Nolan. And he really did not have that good of a year at AA uh, Tulsa, I believe it was. And then the next season, they moved him up to AAA. It wasn't a month later that he was in the big leagues uh, for good and, and is now a uh, perennial all-star. So um, I, I kind of believe that that might have happened to Brett Phillips last year. I think the fact that he started the season for a second straight year at Double A may have surprised him and shocked him a little bit, but uh, maybe it was a wake-up call that he needed. And uh, this year he'll take that step forward that uh, we all, we all hope that uh, takes place. We are talking with Dan Karcher. He is the voice of the Sky Sox, the Brewers' AAA affiliate. You can follow him on Twitter at Sky Sox Karch if you want to keep an idea, an eye on uh, what's going on with uh, some of the Brewers' prospects that are in Colorado Springs. Yadiel Rivera back there again. He's been told play there every day, dominate AAA. More can come out of you playing every day there than being a bench guy at the big league level. What well, he's he's done well though there. What what more can can Yadiel Rivera accomplish at the triple-a level he can hit consistently uh we still haven't seen that come come through for for yadiel obviously he's a major league caliber shortstop or second baseman wherever you want to put him but uh, offensively i think if, if, if yadiel can figure it out offensively um he'll have a job in the big leagues uh for good uh, be it with the brewers or, or somebody else because he can field with the best of them maybe uh, orlando Garcia is a uh, that much better than than uh, everybody else at shortstop, pretty much. But uh, Yadiel is not not too far behind, and uh, I think if he just figures out um, his uh, his stroke and, and is able to have a consistent approach at the plate, uh, he'll be well on his way to a long major league career. 
we're all excited about what Josh Hader is going to do eventually at the big league level. Last year, when he got the call up to Colorado Springs, he went 1-7 with a 5.22 ERA. The numbers did get better as he went along. He had a sub-4 ERA in the month of August. But what are you looking for from him, for him to take that next step to really put himself in position to, to make the leap to the big leagues? I think just uh, being more aggressive in the strike zone and maybe um, um, being able to put hitters away. We saw high pitch counts uh, from him uh, last year when he came up from double-A. It's an adjustment. Let's face it. You're going from a league where you dominated to a hitter's league, and then you you add into the mix uh, security service field. Not only is it tough physically, it's tough mentally on these guys. Hater's a young kid. I mean, he still has time to figure it out. So uh, I believe that, uh, you know, working uh, with the Sky Sox staff, that he will uh, be able to take a step forward and, and be able to uh, be a little bit more consistent in the strike zone. And like I said, reduce the pitch count and be able to put hitters away a little bit uh, faster than he did uh, a season ago. I talked with uh, Sky Sox manager Rick Sweet today about Hater. He started today in that fiasco against the I-Cubs and, um, really got got knocked around a little bit. Was was uh, falling behind in the count. Walked a few guys, and he said, "You know, he's working on some things, and he'll be fine." He said he almost uh, they almost want him to stop throwing too many strikes hmm. and and start uh, pitching off the plate a little bit uh, with his stuff, and and uh, that 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 may benefit him down the road. So they're still uh, working with Hater. He's a young guy. Hey, let's face it. Uh, Zach Davies was the opening day starter for the Sky Sox last year. Didn't take him long to get called up, and now he's uh, the number one starter for the big league team. So things happen fast in this game, so I don't think we should run out of patience uh, by any means with Josh Hader. He is Dan Karcher. He's absolutely one of the best baseball broadcasters you're ever going to hear. If you've never listened to him, you should uh, you should give a listen on MILB.TV or listen to the, the web stream of their broadcast. Also, shameless plug, we do the Brewers Extra Innings uh, podcast, and uh, Dan, a regular guest on that as well. Dan, great to talk to you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Maryvale, and we will talk uh, again very soon. And, Matt, as always, the check's in the mail. Thanks for thinking of me, and uh, keep in touch. All right, very good. There is Dan Karcher joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings. They're not Brewers Extra Innings, Brewers Weekly. I've got too many shows going on. i got the podcast. i got this thing. we got the postgame show. That's going to start soon. Anyways, 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It is available to you. The Brewers starting rotation, it is set. We'll go through it next on WTMJ. Rolling on here on WTMJ. Another shameless plug, by the way. Make sure uh, you join us after Brewers games for Brewers Extra Innings. Every night game and all weekend games will come uh, your way for about an hour after the uh, after the game, taking your phone calls and everything. Second you're doing it, I'm excited for it, so hopefully you'll be joining, uh, joining me for Brewers Extra Innings following Brewers games this upcoming season. Starting rotation is set. Because Matt Garza is injured. He's on the disabled list with a groin injury. This kind of uh, extends the clock on his spring training as once he gets healthy, he'll be able to go on a minor league rehab assignment and still try to kind of redevelop himself. So the starting rotation looks like this. Junior Guerra, Zach Davies, Willie Peralta, Chase Anderson, and Jimmy Nelson. It sounds like Anderson was going to be the odd man out if Garza would have been healthy and would have been able to uh, start the season in the big leagues. The Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. Let's go to Tom in Milwaukee. Hey, Tom, you're on WTMJ. 
Hey, Matt, thanks for taking my call. You it's bet. good that uh, baseball is right around the corner, and uh, looking forward to a great Brewer season. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a fun year, I think. Yeah, I think uh, the team is going to surprise a lot of people. In spite of rebuilding, I think it's going to be a great season. But um, I wanted to call regarding Matt Garza. Um, in spite of his emotion and everything else, it's time to cut the cord. Um, this DL assignment and then a minor league rehab just kind of prolongs the inevitable. Um, all good things come to an end, and I would rather see Josh Hader or anybody else get rocked on the mound rather than having Garza on the mound. Uh, look, I don't, I don't, I don't think Hader he... Hader and those guys, at least you're building some character and building experience for the future. Matt Garza's best days are behind him, and... He goes into a category with Jeff Supon and Randy Wolf and other expensive mistakes that the team has made. Tom, I don't think he finishes out the season with the Brewers. I think what you're saying is is spot on in terms of uh, cutting the cord at some point. If he's legitimately injured, and I tend to believe that he is just based off the emotion that he showed today, uh, I'm I'm not going to cut the man when he's about to go on the disabled list. So give a, uh, I'm I'm fine letting him go through the minor league rehab and, and seeing what he can do. But in all likelihood, if he pitches anything like he's pitched throughout his Brewers tenure, uh, he's not going to be spending much time with this team once yeah. he gets back. I mean, and I understand you don't want to kick a good man when he's down, but it delays the inevitable. Yeah, he's 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 done. I mean, all good things come to an end. He's he's had a good career. Time to move on, and he needs to accept that as well. Tom, appreciate the phone call. And to Tom's point, if I was the one making the decision, if Garza was not healthy and I was the one making the decision on him, I would have released him. I don't think he pitched well enough in spring training to be part of the starting five. Now, my vote doesn't count. Last time I checked, Craig Council and David Stearns, their opinions matter a little bit more than mine do. And it sounds like Garza was en route to being in the starting rotation to start the season. If I would have been making the decision, I probably wouldn't have had him in the starting rotation. I don't think I don't think he pitched better than than other guys to deserve that spot. Let's go to Greg in Waukesha. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Matt. Two quick things. Uh, first of all, love the show as always. Um, First of all, um, Scooter Jeanette, well, we did, you know, just letting him go, and you probably talked about this some, at some point during the show, just rubbed me in the crowd the wrong way. It just, uh, I mean, we could have gotten cash or something for him, you know, or a, a prospect or something. So that's that's what I wanted to say about that. And um, my question for you, though, was how long are we going, are the Brewers going to stay with uh, Keon Broxton uh, this year, being that we do have a lot of outfield uh, prospects, Lewis Brinston uh, being one of them, um, and and some others that are there. Um, how long do you think the Brewers will give uh, Broxton before? Um, and I, I guess this is me just really wanting to see Lewis Brinston come up, but. What 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 are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Greg, I think I I think we're going to see a lot of Keon Broxton. I think he's the center fielder for the entire season. If a Brinson comes up, he's probably in a corner outfield spot. Uh, I, Broxton is the guy they've invested. They they went into this entire offseason really investing in Broxton, and they look at him as a big piece of the future. I I don't know how it all adds up because you look at a Triple A outfield with. Brinson and Phillips and Cordell, and you say, okay, those guys can be starters in the future. Well, at the big league level, you got Braun and you got Broxton and you got Santana, who you acquired a couple right. years ago. The numbers don't add up, but to me, Keon Broxton's a big part of this team going forward. Okay, okay. And then just any quick thoughts on uh, 
on Jeanette. You probably talked about him at the beginning of the show. Just just rubs me the total wrong way, Matt. You know, that's a, that's a great tease, Greg, and I appreciate the phone call because as we wrap up the program in the next segment, I did want to hit on Scooter Jeanette. We had not gotten to him uh, during the course of the show quite yet. My thoughts on Scooter Jeanette as we wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly. That's next on WTMJ. Starting to wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. Again, opening day on Monday. Have a couple exhibition games tomorrow and Saturday. The biggest news of the week was the release of Scooter Jeanette. And they could have, he still had a minor league option. They could have sent him to AAA, but he was making $2.5 million. And there just wasn't a future form with the team. And we just got a call, I think it was Greg, if I remember the name correctly, uh, who was not happy about what happened with Scooter Jeanette, that they let him go for nothing. I don't think there was a trade market for him. I've always, I said this about Chris Carter. Like, when you let a guy go for nothing, which is what they did, that means you have basically told every other baseball team out there, he's available, give us an offer. And if they send cash your way, if they send some low-level prospect, if they if they send anything, if they you know trade your international draft slotting, like all that, all that's out there. And to me, if somebody was willing to give something up for Scooter Jeanette, I think they would have gotten something. Uh, they had been trying to work a trade since the end of last season, and it just didn't happen. Emotions are kind of high on this one because Scooter Jeanette is a fan favorite. And Scooter Jeanette is a good, good, good dude. And I, he, there just there wasn't an opportunity for him. You know, Evanda Jesus Jr. isn't making this club out of spring training. And he had a fantastic spring. You know, when you, if you argue to me, oh, well, yeah, there had to be a place for Scooter Jeanette, I guess my response to you is, okay, look at the roster and tell me who doesn't make this team. Who doesn't? They have to carry an extra pitcher to start the season uh, because of uh, the lack of off days. Um, and, and even beyond that, show me a position player on this roster who doesn't deserve to be there. It just, it unfortunately wasn't a fit anymore. And it stinks. I like having Scooter Jeanette around. I absolutely like having him around. Uh, would it have been good to get something for him? Absolutely. The one thing they did get for him, he was claimed off waivers. That means they don't have to pay him his salary. And I know it's not your money. You're not real worried about that. And their, their payroll is already pretty darn low. But because he was picked up off waivers, the Reds did assume all of his salary. So that's something. But if there would have been anything out there, they could have traded him for 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 anything. A prospect, a, a guy who was probably going to be released at some point, I think they would have gotten that deal done. And it quite simply did not happen. That is it for this program. Thanks to our guests, Mark Knutson and Dan Karcher. We will talk to you again soon. Don't forget Brewers Extra Innings after all Brewers night and weekend games here on WTMJ.